Hello, and welcome back to the number seven tech podcast in the world. It's Converge. I'm Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor of The Verge, and I'm excited to bring you the second episode of our game show podcast. Now, let's talk about last week, because last week was a crazy amount of fun. It was our launch week, and I got so many tweets and emails from all of you out there who had something to say about the show. It was fun to read what everybody liked, what you didn't like, and man, we have a really cool episode today. I am excited to introduce to you, if you don't know her already, Shanlin Ma. Shanlin runs a company called Zola. It is a New York startup that is trying to reinvent weddings. I was in New York a few weeks back, asked Twitter, hey, who is the coolest New York startup entrepreneur? And a bunch of people pointed me to Shanlin. So we met up and she has a really cool story. She's doing something that I personally would never try to do, which is to create a successful new e-commerce company in the age of Amazon. And she did it by focusing on something Amazon wasn't really paying attention to, which is weddings. Uh, I don't know if you've been to a wedding in the past year or so, but if you did, there's a good chance you use Zola. They make an online wedding registry that just makes it a lot easier for couples and guests to buy presents. And if you're the couple to get those presents delivered, it's free to the couples. Zola takes a cut of the sales and they're making money. And this month, a few days after I spoke with her, Shanlin announced that Zola had just raised $100 million in new financing from investors. So a pretty good sign that things are going well over there. Now, was she able to raise that $100 million because investors knew she was about to appear on the number seven tech podcast in the world? Uh, well, let's put it this way. It probably didn't hurt. Okay. And with that, it's time to play Converge. This episode is brought to you by the new Dessert Subs from Subway. You've tried Subway's savory delights. Now try something on the sweeter side. Subway Dessert Subs are slathered in butter, dipped in cinnamon and sugar, and served with two entire chocolate bars, gooey caramel, and creamy nougat melted inside 12 inches of nutritious whole wheat bread. For a limited time only, you can order a dessert sub for just $1.99 with any purchase of a 12-inch meatball marinara. Subway, sweet, fresh. Okay, that's not a real ad. We don't have a sponsor for this show yet, but I sort of wanted to see what it would be like to have an ad, so that was my attempt at an ad. Uh, Let me know what you think in the comments, and with that, for reals now, on with Converge. And welcome to Converge. Converge is a game show that is easy to win, but not impossible to lose. Each week, we bring on some of the tech world's most fascinating entrepreneurs, and they compete to see how high they can go on the all-time Converge leaderboard. My guest today is Shanlin Ma, CEO and founder of Zola, a fast-growing online wedding registry with more than 500,000 users and a valuation of $220 million. Shan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is this your first time playing Converge? It is, yes. Is there a prize if I win? There is a prize of untold riches uh, in the form of positive tweets, uh, engagement on Instagram photos, really just sort of like an online buzz that develops around you as people sort of embrace what you do here. 
Got it. Well, as my tiger parents would say, if you don't win, don't bother coming home. So I have to win. (laughs) The pressure is on. I have a feeling you're going to do uh, very well. So let me just run you through it. Converge, of course, consists of three rounds, the big idea, the interview round, and the wild card round. Uh, Before we get started, do you have any allergies or dietary restrictions I should know about? um... I only eat fried chicken. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's fantastic. Let's get started with the first round. It is time for The Big Idea. The first game we play on every episode of Converge is, of course, The Big Idea. I had asked you ahead of time to bring me your biggest and best idea of a non-self-promotional nature, and we pick it apart to see what's inside. Uh, Points are awarded on the basis of originality, presentation, profit potential, and whether I personally agree with it. So, Shan, what is your big idea? So... I've been thinking about this idea for actually over a year now, um, since 2016, which was the year that I was in a really bad car accident. Mm. Well, it's a, a Debbie Downer of a impetus to come up with this idea. What happened was I was spending some time or had to spend some time in the ICU in hospital getting a battery of daily blood tests, pain medication, x-rays, IVs. Etc. The list goes on. Wow. And while I was there, two things really struck me. One was the doctors and nurses that work in hospitals are unsung heroes. They're incredible and they do great work under really hard, kind of tech backward circumstances. Yeah. And then the second thing was it felt like going back in time to probably what it was like. You know, 50 years ago, as someone who lives and uses a lot of consumer-facing apps on my phone that just make life easier and magical, I guess healthcare is one place that you just don't have that. They're also using fax machines and pagers. Yeah, and and telegrams, writing, pen yeah. and paper, and the and so you know, in all those blood tests that I did multiple times a day, every day for quite some time, I now have really no idea what happened to those blood test records. I have no idea how it was used. I have no idea how I would share it with my doctor. I don't even know if they knew what they were seeing was normal for me as a person because I had no previous record of any of my blood testing history. And it just struck me that this is a place where technology could really come in handy. Yeah. Um, you know, what if they could see on an app on my phone over time what my blood history looks like? Um, if if my if the blood tests that were done could be shared with my own personal doctor who's known me for years, and then everything else to to do with you know my general health and what average looks like for me could be used. And this is one place that actually AI would be really helpful because what might be average for the population might not be average for me. So if you can imagine an app where you can record things like blood tests or your migraines or even what your blood type is, I think that's something that actually everyone would find helpful, not just in a emergency situation like that. Sure. So do you see it as the kind of thing where you show up to sort of any medical facility and you almost like have a single sign in where it's like, hey, it's me, Shan, and they're just sort of able to see your entire medical history? Yeah, that could work. That is certainly one way to do it. Another way to do it uh, that I was thinking at that time is, you know, there, there used to be an app where if you tapped bumped phones together, the contact information of the two people bumping phones would be transferred. Yes. So that could be another example where if, you know, say the doctor in your doctor's office had a device which you could then bump with the app on your phone and then that particular test for you could be transferred to your phone. I like that. I think, you know, medical visits would be better if they started with almost a high five. You know, you sort of like you race in, you grab the phone and then boom, you bump I with agree. the doctor 
sure. And you're already kind of on the same page. Yeah, like a fist bump and a phone bump. High right. five. You know what's interesting is that the guy, one of the guys who uh, who co-founded Bump now runs Google Photos. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's just amazing to see where what, what people are, are up to these days. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I am inclined to really enjoy this idea because it's always crazy to me when you walk in for a doctor's appointment and they hand you that clipboard and there's like 40 forms. And the first thing is always like, what is your name? I'm like, can you really not even get to a point where you can pre-print out a piece of paper that has my name on it? Like, yes. I made an appointment. You don't know my name? Yes. Right? And then like, uh, you know, and also they, they have no way to track like uh, your birthday, right? You're always yes. filling out your birthday. It's like yes. my birthday didn't change from the last time that I was here. Yes, it's the same form every yeah. time. Why? So, you know, I, I will say, I remember I had a, an eye doctor many years ago who was a, a deeply conservative man. This was in Arizona. He watched a lot of Fox News. And he talked to me about how he would never do electronic medical records because he was convinced that they would be hacked. And so he did everything on paper. And he was very proud of that. Yeah. And we're living in a time when people have real concerns about data privacy. So like, how do you think about balancing data privacy with like the extreme annoyance of having to write down your name and birthday every time you meet a doctor? Yeah. Yeah, when I first moved to the U.S. from Australia, well, I was really lucky to go to Stanford for graduate school. And one of the classes that I took there was with Andy Grove, who was the founder of or one of the earliest founders of Intel and the CEO and president there for many years. And his life's passion was healthcare and technology. And we spent a lot of time in that class talking about electronic medical records. So the thing that really struck me and topics about privacy and laws and user expectations and possible violations came up a lot. And it really felt like at that time, which was over 10 years ago, the industry consumers were not ready for that. But I think what's changed now is that we live in a world where all our financial information and actually all our personal information as we've seen from recent events news is out there and so i think people's expectations that you know things could get out there but you know for example bank information credit scores all that is is just somewhat assumed now to be out there right. it's already been leaked and i think because of that change in expectations the concern around medical records might not be as high I'm not saying it's not a big challenge, but it's not, I think, as big of a perception challenge as before. Right. My, I think my big concern would be that insurance companies would figure out some way to you know, get a hold of that information and, and use it for ill. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in hearing more about kind of like what it is like to come back from a, a serious injury like that, because you, by, you had already founded Zola, right, when that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's um, sort of one of those cases where life kind of turns on a dime, right? And like all your plans go out the window. What, uh, what has it been like for you trying to to battle back from that, like my gosh. Yeah, it was it was a very tough recovery, and actually, it still kind of continues. And I think a couple of things that I, that I really thought a lot about during that time that I couldn't do anything, and I was kind of stuck in bed. A lot of it was just like, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah, because yeah. life is really short and could end at any second. And is what I've been doing with my life still the thing that I choose to do above anything else? And, and so one realization was actually, yes. And just having had a moment or you know, many months and a lot of time to think about that and, and reaffirm that actually made me more motivated and driven to come back to work and and 
get up and do what I'm doing every day because I knew that I actually had a very real choice and this is what I chose. So that was one big thing that I kind of see as the silver lining. The other thing that I feel really grateful for was that I was lucky that year in January we had just brought on and I had hired a president and COO. And so she was really able to take on a lot of the stuff that I was doing so that it didn't completely fall through the cracks while I was out. Right. And you know, I'll be forever grateful that I had that backstop so that the business wasn't reliant on me. And I think what makes me excited is that it kind of shows that the business could, is not just all about one person. It's about the entire team of people that are there when that one person is not there. Very good. Well, that brings the big idea round to a close. And now it is time for scoring. It's very, I know, it's very nervous, but uh, you did well. So I think you're going to like these scores as I'm looking here through the rubric. So uh, originality. Now, look, we've heard of electronic medical records before. Okay, so I can't say this idea was completely surprising to me. So I think I'm going to give you a seven there. Seven? I know. Listen, Seriously? it's a hard game to win. But, uh... <laughs> Listen, you still have a lot of time to to earn more points. So Okay, I'll so send you my deck off. That, that, that's great. Uh, and we'll post the deck online for everyone to see. Pre- presentation, I'm, I'm giving you a nine. There's a powerful story that this idea comes from. I was fascinated to hear sort of where it came from. Profit potential, I think we all know the medical industry is like one of the biggest in the entire world, right? So I've got to give it a ten. And do I personally agree with it? You know, I'm going to give it a nine only because I do have some concerns over the data issues. But again, I'm tired of writing down my dang name when I go and visit the doctor. So that is a pretty excellent score to enter the second round with. We're not going to total it up just yet. Okay. That was very good. Now it's time to move on to the interview round. Welcome to the interview round, the round where reputations are won and fortunes can be lost. That's not true. Shan, you are the CEO of Zola. And for those of us who are still desperately alone, what is Zola and how does it make money? Zola is the fastest growing wedding registry and wedding company in the country. And we use design and technology to serve couples from the day they get engaged through that first year of marriage. So we've created a wedding registry as our first product that meets the needs of couples getting married today who are very different to any other couple in previous generations. Right. And where does the money come from for you guys? It's an e-commerce business model. So we you register for things through Zola, like products or experiences, and we sell it at a retail price just like any other e-commerce store, and we buy it at a wholesale price like any other e-commerce store. And when you want to brag to people about how well Zola is doing, <laughs> what do you tell them? I say we've had over half a million people use Zola. And what I'm most proud of, the recent milestone, is that we've now had $1 billion in products added to Zola registries since we launched. All right. So people people are getting a lot of great gifts through Zola. Spending a lot of money. Are you tracking the health of these relationships at all? Do you check in with people and say, hey, how's that wedding go? How's that marriage going? Maybe something to think idea. about. Okay. I'll share it with the team. <laughs> so you know, uh, again, I've I've never been married, um, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective. Like, what was broken about wedding registries to begin with, or like, what was the opportunity? Yeah. So the 2013, which was the year that we started thinking about this idea, interviewed hundreds of couples in that stage of getting engaged, getting married, and what we kept hearing come up again and again was that couples today they really want products and experiences and cash or honeymoon funds on their wedding registry. And they don't want to set up three different registries to do it. They want it all in one place. 
So it's just easier. Um, the second thing is we heard couples on average in the U.S. spend $35,000 on their wedding, which is a lot. Yeah. And they do it because they want it to be beautiful and meaningful and reflect them as a couple. And they want their registry to do the same. And before Zola, you couldn't personalize anything to do with your registry. And we let couples do that. And then the third big thing that is fundamentally different is we heard that the most frustrating thing about other registries was that couples would start getting their gifts at random times and they had no idea what was coming or who sent it or what was in the box or if they wanted to keep it. They had things piling up on their doorstep, sometimes getting stolen. I have to say, these sound like great problems to have. Not so much the things getting stolen, but just random delights showing up on my doorstep. Who doesn't like that? Yeah, you would think that. You would think it's kind of counterintuitive. And the thing is, when you are in wedding planning mode and you're really stressed about the big day, you're just not ready to start having pots and plans flying at you, which you don't even know if you want yet because you picked them six months ago. So the big you know, change here is how about if we only send things to couples once they're actually ready to receive them? So and people, it turns out people like that. People, people like control over when they get their stuff. I, I guess I can understand that. Uh, you know, I, when I was sort of reading up to to meet you, I learned that pe- that uh, that people spend nineteen billion dollars a year on wedding presents. Yeah, through re- wedding registries in the U.S. Through re- wedding registries alone, so you had like a sort of huge market that you could go after exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Now you were born in Singapore and grew up in Australia. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious to know what is the difference between the entrepreneurial culture in uh, Australia versus America? Are there are there differences? I think there are huge differences, and I, you know, I have to say, I I moved from Australia to the U.S. in two. 2004, so it could have changed since then. But the thing that I love about Australia that was really the culture growing up in Australia is that in the work-life equation, Australians really prioritize life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of hanging out together, enjoying the beautiful weather, having a beer. And there's not as much, I would say, social capital around working really hard and making a go of whatever you are working on, which is it's great from a lifestyle perspective. And I think the other thing is that Australia is just a small population. It's you know, under 20 million people. So it's hard to really build a multi-billion dollar business in Australia. There's not much of a tech industry, or at least at that time. And so if you want to go and be where the action is, it's really in the US. Right. So you're sort of attracted to the like hard-charging, entrepreneurial, American startup spirit. Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I read that you grew up wanting to be Yahoo CEO Jerry Yang. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever told Jerry Yang that? Yes. <laughs> In fact, I've told him multiple I've told multiple people who have then also told him. What I, what was it about Jerry Yang or maybe Yahoo at the time that like captivated you? Uh, so many things. So I think first of all, he was one of the very earliest pioneers of the internet. And he created Yahoo really to make the internet a more fun, accessible place. So I think the, even, you know, the name, the site, the culture, it just brought the world to your fingertips in a way that everyone could understand. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. And you, you wound up working at Yahoo for a little while? I yeah? did because I wanted to you know, be Jerry Yang. Right. <laughs> and just the secret fact that actually I've never told Jerry or anyone yeah. else and now who he hopefully will not find out is that the best day during my time at Yahoo was the day that I passed by him in the corridor. <laughs> 
Wait, wait, why was that the best day? Because I got to see him in person. Oh, nice. So, well, but I thought you said you told him that you want to be him. Oh, that was actually very recently. That was a month ago. (laughs) Now that your business is doing well, you can get on the phone with Jerry Yang and hopefully get advice from him. Well, we're not there yet. You're getting there. We're trying. Slowly but surely. Yeah, but it's really, people do forget, uh, you know, because of maybe, let's say, the last five or eight years that Yahoo has had, uh, that it really was a foundational business of the early internet, and it introduced a lot of things we take for granted now, like that kind of silly internal office culture and a spirit of do-gooding. You know, it's really hard to object to, like, the the most original version of Yahoo, which was like, we should make a list of the best sites on the internet, right? Yeah, and I think some of the best people that I learned from that have now gone on to run great technology companies were all at Yahoo, and I got to work with them, and everything that I know, I learned from people during my time at Yahoo. Ah, interesting. And you feel like you tried to bring like some of those qualities to the, the business you're building now. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So, okay, so I've used Zola to send a gift. The process uh, was super easy, and I, I always <laughs> get frustrated when my friends get married, and it, it does seem like getting them a gift is going to require me to like interact with the U.S. postal system in, <laughs> in ways that are going to take up more of my time than I than I want. So, uh, online wedding registry, I think, is a cool idea. You know, it's also something that I might use once or twice a year. But you mentioned earlier that you see yourself as a wedding company. So, like, where else can you go, or where are you planning on taking this thing? So the interesting. Thing- about registry is that it's actually one of the biggest parts of the wedding market. So the wedding market in the US is a $100 billion market and registries is about $19 billion of that. So it's really big and 5% of that registry market is a billion dollars in revenues and we're not there yet. So I think there's a lot that we're working on doing in registry in the business before we start to think about how do we capture more pieces. But I will say what we have been starting to do that's important to us is build more tools for couples getting married and then give them away for free. Hmm. So last year we launched something called Zola Weddings, which is a free wedding website, a guest list manager, and a checklist of all your to-dos. All those things were now in the one place, deeply integrated with each other and with your registry. And the reason we did those things was that it was the number one request from our couples using Zola and just a natural extension. And we don't have to charge for those because we make money through registry. Interesting. So take that, the not.com. So 10 years from now, I'll be able to plan my entire wedding on Zola.com or maybe most of it. All of it. All of it. All right. It's happening. So I have 10 years to find a man is what you're telling me. Set, start hey, the that clock. should be easy. It should it? You, you would think so, wouldn't you, Shan? You would think it would be easy, and yet here we are. I mean, you're so attractive oh, and smart. And thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, so now I did once read though that the wedding industry was tricky in this in this weird way because there's very little that you guys can do to increase the supply or demand of weddings. Right? There's like a fixed set of weddings. Does that pose a challenge for you? No, it's actually one one of the reasons that I was interested in the industry in the first place. And so before Zola, I spent a lot of time working at Guilt Group in the early days. And that was a company that grew extremely quickly and was able to really study why, what was it that drove that growth, such right. rapid growth. And this was, of course, the company that did crazy flash sales. And yes. you get a daily email. It's yes. like, his shoes cost a dollar. Yes. Yeah. And the I think what I took away was that that company was great at driving demand intent. And the way they did that was selling great designer brands at 80% off in limited inventory for 24 hours only. 
And then I was looking at other e-commerce businesses and found that driving demand intent is one of the biggest challenges in e-commerce just because you know, you know if you put up a site, doesn't mean people will want to buy from it. And even if they come that day, they might not need to buy from it that day. But the thing that's interesting about weddings is that if you're getting married – for the most part, you have to plan a wedding. <laughs> for yeah. the most part, you have to create a registry. If you're going to a wedding, for the most part, you have to buy a present from the registry. So the demand intent is built into the industry. And the fact that there's a new set of 2 million couples every year getting married means that you avoid some of the challenges that other e-commerce businesses have faced, where in other businesses, you start to tap out in a market where you've kind of reached your core set of people who are going to shop from you, and then it's just hard to expand beyond that. You're going to have a different set of people every year because different people are getting married every yes, year. exactly. Okay, that's actually brilliant. I love that. That brings us to the end of the interview round and the start of the lightning round, which is the actual end of the interview round. <laughs> I need to get better at how I describe these games. <laughs> it's a work in progress. All right, now, in the lightning round, your job is to answer as many of these questions as you can in 60 seconds. You're, of course, allowed to pass on any question, but should you do so, you'll forfeit the question. <laughs> We're putting 60 seconds on the clock. Go. Wedding DJ or live band? DJ. Hint water or LaCroix? Hint. Preferred flavor? Mint. Big wedding or small wedding? Huge. What's something that should definitely be on the blockchain? <laughs> They're not all easy questions, Shan. <laughs> Fox. <laughs> all right, very good. Favorite wedding song to dance to? Kylie Minogue spinning around. Aussie favorite. What, what's your go-to messaging app? Telegram. What can we do to get more women involved in founding companies? Have more female investors. Last show you finished on Netflix? Ugly Delicious. Open bar at wedding reception or beer open, and wine only? Okay. Open. <laughs> Last good book you read? E-Boys. Will I ever find true love? Of course. And that's the end of the lightning round. Very good. We're going to count up the number of Answers, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm gonna I'm literally gonna have to go back and count because I lost track. <laughs> but we did have our first pass in recorded history. So that was the best part of this interview oh, no. so far. No, it was great. Because like because honestly, the answer might be that we should put nothing on the blockchain. And that might be one of the big lessons that people take away from this podcast. <laughs> All right. Now we come to the wild card round. In the wildcard round, we reach into the Convergitron 5000 to play a revealing game that no one has ever played before, and it is New York State of Mind. And in New York State of Mind, your goal is to persuade me to build my next startup in New York. You'll have up to, let's say, five minutes to convince me to leave Silicon Valley behind forever and build a deck of corn inside an abandoned warehouse in Bushwick or something. And afterward, I will try to persuade you on moving Zola to San Francisco and then we'll score each other. And after all is said and done, we will evaluate each other on originality, presentation, profit potential, and whether we personally agree with each other. Any questions? Nope. All right, very good. Let's put five minutes on the clock. You may now persuade me to move to New York to start a decacorn. Okay. If you are someone that is interested in seeing these things on a regular basis, Beyonce, Jake Gyllenhaal, Broadway... Madison Square Garden, Shake Shack, Dollar Slice Pizza, 
then New York is the only logical choice. Okay, I have to. If, I have to ask right now. You're telling me you see Beyonce on a regular basis? I've seen her once. Where do you see her? In a Japanese restaurant. Okay, very good. Please and proceed. With Jay Z. All right, that's good. Double points. Mm-hmm. So, if you are starting a startup, there's really four things that that is essential to every founder, and we have all of them in spades in New York. So, the first thing is access to top talent across different functions. New York is now at a point where we've had multiple rounds of successful startups exit. We've built up a critical mass of tech startup talent across engineering, product design, etc. And the demand and supply equation is just more even here compared to the Silicon Valley, where you just have such high demand that you find people jumping from place to place, and it's really hard to find and then retain top talent. The second is, if you are a company that it, or startup that's going to need access to media and press, I do brand and brand partners, mm-hmm. if you're in fashion, if you're in the financial services, or you need access to financial services partners, or any industry that happens to thrive in New York, then you want to be here because it's a 10-minute ride to anyone you would ever want to meet. And you could set up a meeting that morning, meet them that afternoon. I mean, I have been thinking about starting a fashion financial company that gets a lot of press. So you're you're making some pretty good points here. You would not be the only one thinking about that. (laughs) And then the third thing is you're going to consider raising VC funding. Mm -hmm. And New York now has a critical mass of both VCs and angel investors that means you can raise your round and not have to travel anywhere else to do that if you don't want to. I will note that there also does seem to be a great number of female investors in New York, which is always helpful. And then the fourth thing is there's now a great ecosystem of founders and other entrepreneurs who really are supportive and want to see each other succeed. There's people that you'll find at the same stage as you, as well as a few stages ahead who have been operating longer, so that you will be able to get advice from people who are really wanting to help because they really want to see this ecosystem win and thrive. Because we're not used to thinking of New York as a place where people help other people, right? (laughs) Right? So it's traditionally been a lot of hard charging sharks get that from? from you know the Wolf of Wall You've Street. You've been watching billions too much. Well, exactly, billions. Basically, like any piece of media ever made about New York is about someone trying to screw someone else. But you're telling me that in the startup community, at least, there are friendly people trying to help each other. Yes, I, I'm not sure I buy this at all, but it's would be nice to think so. A lot of the advice and support and questions that I might send to other founders, I will get a reply back within. Minutes And that replies, hey, you figured out yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy over here. And then I will say, bonus point, fifth thing that you might be interested in is that in the startup ecosystem here, there's just more diversity versus other places that might be more homogeneous. So if you are someone that appreciates people that look different to you, this is a great place to be. Traditionally something that Silicon Valley has been terrible at. So that is definitely a point I have to award to New York City. All right. Very good. Is that your case? That is my case. It's a very good case. We're going to go ahead and stop the clock. You still had 53 seconds to spare, but I don't think you needed them. I think you had a lot of uh, smart things to say. Now, of course, is the time when I try to convince you to move Zola to Silicon Valley, which it seems like is probably going to be a significant challenge. Hopefully, I'm up to it. You know, it's funny. When I wrote down reasons I thought you might want to move to Silicon Valley, the first thing I wrote down was talent. But maybe this is just sort of received wisdom, you know, that the idea that all of the 
best minds in the world. I think particularly maybe on the design side have kind of clustered in San Francisco. The idea that if you want to make a really first class, beautiful consumer experience, the easiest way to do that is to hire some designers in San Francisco. But you don't buy that anymore, it sounds I like. I totally disagree. Yeah. My, in fact, the best design thinker in the world is my co-founder, Nobu. Oh, well, and you've already got him, so that <laughs> puts you ahead of the game. All right, so I'm going to lose on talent. Let's look at another topic. How about the weather? Okay, hear me out. I read Twitter. New York never stops talking about the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's just right, and so now you have to go lay in the park for six hours. <laughs> what if I told you a place where it was always 65 degrees? Think of how your company could grow if you never had to wear more than a light jacket. Well, uh, two two points there. One yeah. is that I don't think I look very good in a Patagonia vest. And two is that I, I'm allergic to fog. Oh, really? I find fog so mysterious. Nothing is better than just putting on a coat and listening to Radiohead in the fog. It's like <laughs> been my experience. All right, let's move on to number three. Silicon Valley is surrounded by better places to get married. And I know what you're saying. Why does that matter? Well, crucial for taking aspirational lifestyle photos for your content marketing efforts. Think about it. Wine Country, Lake Tahoe, half, like Lake Tahoe, and Lake Tahoe, Half Moon Bay, the Golden Gate Bridge. We're talking about some of those picturesque settings in the world, and you'll be able to use them for everything from company offsites to sham engagement photos that you put on your website to build your brand. So tell me that you wouldn't benefit from getting some of the great California outdoors and sunshine in your brand. That's actually a pretty legitimate point. Yes! All right, I'm not completely going to fail this this point. All right, here's my final point, and this could be controversial, Shan, but New Yorkers don't understand love. Now listen, I'm sure you do personally, but walk around these city streets, you see all these finance bros swiping right to infinity. You have to ask yourself, can you build a truly great wedding experience in a town where everyone is always ghosting on each other? San Francisco, on the other hand, is a city of love and commitment. We made gay marriage legal when it was still illegal, and that would have been great for your business. So maybe come to San Francisco and discover the true meaning of love. That was my last point. Hmm. I know it wasn't very good. <laughs> I have Are to you say, saying that I'll find a boyfriend if I move to San Francisco? Well, okay, I mean, now we're talking. <laughs> it could happen. You know, I, I don't know. That's I, actually the most legitimate point you have. <laughs> if I could, pr- yes, I think if I could promise anyone that they would legitimately find true love in the city, like that would be a highly motivating thing. But, you know, based on my own experience, I'm not exactly sure that I can claim that with any high degree of confidence. So we'll have to see. All right, now it's time to score your idea. On originality, uh, I thought, so, okay, you, you made a bunch of great points that I had not heard of before, so I've, I've got to give you a, an 8 on originality. Presentation, I'm giving you a 10. You really gave me the hard sell on New York. Profit potential, well, I guess we haven't talked about whether you're making profits, but based on the amount of money you raised, I'm assuming that the revenue picture is looking good for you. We have community-adjusted profits. <laughs> If you have not yet read about WeWork's approach to describing their business, they have now introduced something called community-adjusted profits, which, as best as I can understand it, is all the revenue they've ever generated minus all costs that they've ever experienced, and they're calling it (laughs) community-adjusted revenue, and that's why I like writing about technology, because it's absurd. And that's actually the reason why, if you want to do a podcast about tech, the, the podcast itself has to be absurd, because you have to try to get out in front of what is really happening on the streets. Community-adjusted profits, 
that's going to be one of our phrases of the year for 2018, I think. So profit potential, also giving you an eight. And do I agree with it? You know, you sold me. I'm giving, I'm going to give you a nine because I do think you should keep Zola here because I think it would be tremendously disruptive for you to move your entire staff to San Francisco for no reason. <laughs> and that is how I'm going to score you. So you really cleaned up in the New York state of mind around Shan. And I have to hand it to you. So Shan, please evaluate me on originality. I think originality was the best yeah. because I was not expecting everything that you said. That's good. So I'll give you an eight for that. Yes. Presentation, pretty good. Mm-hmm. 7.5. Okay. Profit well. potential, one. Okay. I was gonna. I thought you were going to go with zero, so thank you for the pity point. <laughs> Do I agree? One. Okay. Fantastic. So let's Sorry. just add that up. That's 17.5. So now we're going to go to the final scores. We're going to total it up right now. Shan cleaning up with 81 points, which I believe is enough to place you at the top of the all-time good words leaderboard for now. I rang in with 17.5 points, a respectable showing for someone who is only allowed to participate in one of the three rounds. (laughs) Shan, any final thoughts to share? Do you have a message of inspiration you'd like to leave with our listeners? Good, because sometimes people will try to trot out some BS message, and the truth is, this world's tough, and you just got to get out there and do it. There's nothing you can say that's going to make anybody go do it. Would you agree with that statement? Agreed, agreed. (laughs) Shan, thank you for coming in. Thank you for making content with me, and thank you for listening to Converge. Thank you. And that's today's show. My thanks to guest Shan Lin Ma, who utterly destroyed me. You have made a powerful enemy today, Shan Lin, and I have a long memory. Thanks to my engineer, Jeremy Damas, and my editor, Andrew Marino. If you like today's show, it would mean the world to me if you threw it a rating over on iTunes or Google. It helps people find us. And if you did not like today's show, my name once again is Peter Kafka, and you've been listening to Recode Media. How is this show going so far? I want to hear from you. I know some of you did not like the laugh track in the first episode. I personally think it's dope. But hey, let's keep the conversation going. Email me, Casey at TheVerge.com. I'm Casey Newton on Twitter, and you can tweet about the show using the hashtag Benghazi. If you want even more of me in your life, I write a daily newsletter about social networks and democracy. It's called The Interface. You can find the link at my Twitter bio. And until next time, the Convergitron 5000 is closed. Game over. This episode is brought to you by the new dessert subs from Subway. You've tried Subway's savory delights. Now try something on the sweeter side. Subway dessert subs are slathered in butter, dipped in cinnamon and sugar, and served with two entire chocolate bars, gooey caramel, and creamy nougat melted inside 12 inches of nutritious whole wheat bread. For a limited time only, you can order a dessert sub for just $1.99 with any purchase of a 12-inch meatball marinara Subway Sweet Fresh. Okay, that's not a real ad. We don't have a sponsor for this show yet, but I sort of wanted to see what it would be like to have an ad, so that was my attempt at an ad. Uh, Let me know what you think in the comments. And with that, for reals now, on with Converge.